Yeah, you know, welcome, you know, to everyone listening. Welcome to episode three of the Rich and Facts podcast. Today I have two very special guests. That's right, East Coast Hollywood is back. I have these two gentlemen right here. They are the co-founders of the business known as Adriso. We have Ralph Fontaine as well as Norman. I need to get his last name. I should have asked that first before I started recording. Um, Paul. Paul. Norman Paul. I have Norman Paul and Ralph Fontaine Paul. here. Paul, Norman Hall. Okay. <laughs> Scratch that. And I have Norman Hall and Ralph Fontaine here, the two founders of Adrisol. They are a company that was founded and built on promoting music artists, artists in general, getting their content out, giving them promotions, this, that, and the third, doing everything in their power to build brands and to give them a platform. And so on today's edition, uh, these gentlemen are here going to talk about, you know, how their brand started and how they've come to be the successful company that they are now and what their plans are for the future. So, uh, you know, welcome to the set, y'all. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing well. 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 Word. But, um, you know, yeah, my first question is, so you guys founded this company in 2018 and you talked about how you guys have had a huge passion for music. I want to know, how did we go from just the, what, 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 what was your upbringing like with music? How did, how did you get into music and how did the passion go from music to music and business? So, I mean, Ralph, you want to go first or you want me to go ahead? You can go ahead, bro. All right, so from, from a young age, I've always been involved in music. Uh, a lot of family members who made music, you know, my godfather is actually the legendary um, CL Smooth, um, featuring, you know, the hit song, you know, featuring Pete Rock, um, Troy Reminisce, you know, that's him. And, you know, even in the video, the barbershop that he goes to, I still go to to this day, you know, which is like really dope. My cousins really um, put me in a space where I fell in love with the music and desired it. There's my cousin, um, Mike, you know, Mercy Music. Uh, you can check him out. He's on Twitter. He's on um, Spotify, Apple Music. You can check him out anywhere. Um, my cousin Brandon, uh, he doesn't make music anymore, but you know they were like the individuals that kind of inspired me into understanding that music was more than just the the song that's on the radio when I was a kid. Um, big big person I would like to say you know was an influence would be Jay Z. Mm. He kind of made me make that switch from you know just a lover of the music and like you know how can I be involved in music in any way I can to Actually, I want to do a label. I want to like help artists. I want to like help them, you know, big up and grow bigger. After seeing, you know, in our generation with social media, you know, everyone can be a music artist today. But it's like, how do you find that diamond in the rough anymore, right? You know, before it was just straight talent. Now it's more like, are you even visible if you're talented? Mm -hmm. So you know that that's where it came to. And you know, once I got to college, I've always been. You guys, friends of mine, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always been, you know, the creative thinker. Like, you know, let's let's do this, bro. Let's do this, 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 this. Like I'm like all over the place a lot of time. Like Ralph and I have conversations and I can go on for hours with like, you know what we could do next? And then we could do this. And then, you know, we could start this business and then we could start this. Like, you know, we, we go, you know, in depth over and over. And then when I actually graduated college, I was like, yo, bro, we, we can do this. Like, let's, let's create a company, right? 2018, we found it under a different premise than we are now. Our new business model has you know, grown our label so much more. But it's it's been quite the journey for us. And Ralph, how did you get into music? Like, what was your experience, you know, growing up with music? And how did you two meet as well? So basically, I'm always around people with an artistic ambitions. 
and Norman had a passion and a great plan. And I really believed in him and I still believe in him. And we could definitely make this an amazing point in history in the music industry. And we met in college. Originally, um, your college of Pennsylvania and we needed like basketball intramural teams. So we hit up each other on like Facebook and like started a team. That's awesome. And, you know, as far as, you know, Norman, you talked about this, right? It's crazy how, you know, music has been in your family, you know, so you basically been around it all the time and now it's turned into a passion. Um, I want to talk into the aspect of, you know, turning your passion into purpose soon. But I do want to talk about, um, you know, I guess what is what is the music scene like in New York? You know, for one thing, you talked about how, excuse me, it's not just about how talented you are. It's about actually let's get into that first. Right. So you talked about how it's not just about how talented you are, but it's also about being seen. Explain the importance of building a brand and having a team that can help promote you market you and help you find opportunities to grow because that's pretty much what you know that's a lot that's some of what you guys are doing so explain the importance of that and how age or soul plays into all of that yeah so you know when you when you think about the music scene today right it's not so much okay i have a record you know on the tape and i'm gonna bring it to the label and see what the a and i our guy thinks you know today there's so many more metrics behind it all, all the label cares about is making money you know, if you can be, if you're a terrible rapper, but people cling to you and they'll buy merch, they're, they're going to listen to your records, you know, via stream or purchase them. That's all they care about. They don't care about the talent anymore. You can be talented and you walk into their office and you're like, yeah, I have 170 followers so far. They'll be like, uh, <laughs> they'll get out of here. Right. So it's, it's extremely important for an artist who wants to be on a label, wants to be independent to be seen because people and, you know, the consumer is what matters. If the consumer doesn't know you exist, there's no way for them to consume, right? And I think, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, the whole scene of like New York, it's not really about just New York. It's like, this is something that is important everywhere across the country, internationally as well, is being seen and letting people know who you are because, you know, the biggest names in the, in the industry, Drake's, the, um, you know, Lady Gaga, you know, wh wh wherever, you know, your genre lies, they wouldn't be there if they weren't seen right now. If no one knew, like if they dropped albums and no one knew about it, no one's going to listen to it. Right. Being seen is like the, the most important thing in today's day and age, as well as being talented enough to, you know, continue your career. And I think what, what we do here at Adrasol is what we, I, I, I like to think of myself as not necessarily your, you know, your final destination, your label. Right. And I don't like to think of myself that way. Think of myself much more as a service like, hey, look, we're a platform that you can step on to get to the next level. Right. I tell people all the time, you know, if we can help you get to the next level where you can sign to one of those majors by teaching you, you know, everything that you need, I'm happy. I'm content. You know, don't forget about us. Give us a quick shout out. Say, hey, you know, when you're on the breakfast club or anything like that. But, you know, we, we, don't, we don't take it. You know, when people, you know, decide that, you know, hey, thank you for everything that you've done. You know, I'm going to go this way now. I got this deal. I got this opportunity. I'm more than happy for you, Right. It's, it's about giving you that exposure. It's about helping you step up to that next level and get you out of the rough of those artists that are just you know, in the way, right? So it's, it's extremely important. What we do is extremely important to the artists, even though you know, sometimes the big factor with these musicians is that they don't 
know the music industry or understand the music industry. So when we come to them and we're saying, hey, that's actually not a good idea, right? If you're looking to go here, down this road, down this road, I wouldn't advise you doing that, right? If you're looking to stay in your position, then, you know, continue doing what you're doing. But if you're looking to excel, you're looking to get to that next level, you want to build a brand, right? And it's not so much just, you know, building a brand around yourself. It's just more so creating, creating a zone that becomes who you are, right? It's not so much a brand, you know, like a, like a Puma because you're going to get into like merch and things like that. I'm not even saying when you get some merch, but it's almost like a, like a zone, right? Where people can enter the zone with you and that's when people love your music, right? Somebody can watch or listen and that's cool, but if they're not in that zone with you, if you're not curating that, that domain, then, you know, you're, 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 not, you're not gravitating to anyone, right? You want to pull people in. Yeah, I, I, um, I think that's huge. And that, that was one of the things that really stuck out to me when I saw you guys' website. And, um, you know, because it was like so many things were coming together there. Like you guys have a op, you have a, you can literally see every artist you guys have, where to follow them on their social media. You've got links to their Spotify. It's like, if I'm, if I'm someone, if I'm a, an entrepreneur, or if I'm just interested in music, I can go to your domain at age or so and find these artists. Whereas I would never be able to find these people on Instagram or Spotify because of the algorithm. Yep. And you know, you were talking about how a brand, it's not just about, it's not like, it's not just about merch. Like a brand can also mean like, like you said, just like a domain where we can find you like your identity, like your, your swagger, so to speak, that thing that stands, that thing that still speaks, even when you're not in the room, when you're not in that presence. And, um, you know, what is, and I want to, I guess, kind of get into the more aspect of what, you know, the specifics. So, you know, hip hop was a big part of your upbringing, but I've noticed on your platform, you guys have a lot, you know, you don't, you're not just, you, you guys are not just focused on hip hop. You have a lot of pop singers, you guys got country, you've got punk rock you've got heavy metal like you guys are pulling people from all different music genres was that the plan originally or did it just sort of happen that way yeah i, I could tell you you know i remember the, the phone call with ralph i remember i texted him i'm like hey you, you busy tonight i'm gonna call you right and he said yeah bro sure thing so he's like in the car and he's like driving and you could hear the windshield wipers in the back like i remember <laughs> so <laughs> i call him and we get on the phone and i tell him like bro i have this idea I just think we're going to revamp Age Cell. This is what we're going to do. It seems like this is what, you know, the, the clients are actually looking for, right, in helping them with the career. Let's not do this for just hip-hop artists, right? Let's do it for all artists because what we're providing is not a, a hip-hop label, right? We're, we're more of a service where we're saying, hey, look, use us to gain a better understanding and a better platform for yourself, right? And that's, that's going to work across all boards, it's, it's not like people can make it seem like, you know, hip hop and pop are so different. They're not. Their audience might be different. Their sound might be different. But in the way that they're presented to the public, in the same platform, it's, it's the same studios, right? There's not like, oh, this is an only hip hop studio. Like, no, those studios, they curate for all types of artists, right? And, you know, we want it to be that, that safe haven that people can come to, no matter your genre. I have, I have artists that, you know, they work in genres that not all platforms cover, right? Like one of them is called ambient, right? That's one of the genres and that's where they fall. 
and nobody really covers or knows how to, you know, market ambient. And it's like, what you have to understand about musicians and just understanding the music industry period is that it's not about the music. It's about the business, right? When you're not talking about being that local like star that you can go to the bar and play, play your guitar a little bit at the bar because the guy, you know, the owner, we're talking about, you know, getting yourself out there, you know, building something bigger than what you can even, you know, wrap your head around truly. It's all about the business behind you and the marketing and the advertising that goes behind you. Right. And that's, that's, that works anywhere. That's why advertising works for, you know, chip companies as well as, you know, truck driving companies. Like it, it doesn't matter what the, the, the substance is, it's the foundation. And so that's why we decided to, you know, work with everyone because it works for everyone. Yeah. Ralph, you want to chime in? My fault. I'm not, I, I don't want this to turn into <laughs> ISO basketball, AI versus MJ. Um, <laughs> no, no. All right. Let me, uh, let me get into the next question. And of course it's going to follow what you were saying before Norman. So as far as the foundation, you talked about on your website, how like you guys started in 2018 and there was a, but there was a little bit of a, you know, there was a come down and then there was a revamp in 2020. How have things, what, I guess like what happened if, if I'm using come down for lack of a better term, but let, let's say there was sort of like maybe like a dry period, a quieter period, it sounds like, or maybe things were just different. What's different between, I mean, obviously you talked about how you guys are branching out more as far as the type of clientele you're bringing in, but like, I guess what else, what else changed? Like, you know, mindset wise, business wise, I guess process, like explain to me like what's different, what changed in 2020 as opposed to what was going on in 2018 when you first so, started? So I'll say the big difference is, you know, before we were much more of a traditional label, right? Mm -hmm. you know, the contract, we put out the music, we'll promote you and things like that. The biggest thing that you're going to find in today's age, and I know a lot of artists, you know, they, they don't want to believe this, but they don't work hard. They don't understand <laughs> what working hard is, right? If you're talking about, hey, look, you know, I want to be a superstar. And then you, if you ever listen to the people that you admire as an artist, like I have an artist that I work with, you know, he wanted to, you know, be as big as Drake. And if you ever listen to a Drake interview and he says, you know, they're banging out, you know, 30 songs in the night, you know, whether they're complete or not, they're, they're going at it all night. They don't, they sleep for like, you know, two, three hours and they're back up and they're like trying to do something, you know, regarding press. They're trying to, you know, take some pictures, they're trying to do a video. Now they're back in the studio. I, I've worked with artists where, you know, they say they want that lifestyle and they do that for four hours. And it's like, oh man, I want to go home. Oh man, you know, my boys are on Xbox. It's like, wait, I thought you <laughs> wanted to, you know, work hard. So what I decided to do is instead of being so um, exclusive, right, to, to everyone, and again, we're still exclusive to, you know, certain types of individuals and certain people, but we're much more inclusive than we were before and working with uh, different artists. So I'll say what happened, you know, we, we did shows, we did, um, we did plenty of releases, you know, we're, we're in the process of a mu new music video coming out for one of the artists. And, but, you know, this is prior to, to COVID too. You know, the, the musicians themselves slowed down, right? Musicians themselves, like some of them, you know, we helped, you know, go from, let's say, say you from 200 less followers to 200 more within like a month's time, right? We're getting, we're putting them on shows, we're sending them to Buffalo and they're performing there and things like that, right? You know, we're, we're expanding our base. We're, we're hosting shows ourselves, right? And, you know, our artists are performing. They're on the roster. But you get a little cocky, like, oh, man, 
my dream is happening. I made it. It's like, no, you heard what you said. It's happening. You didn't make it yet, right? And then people slow down and, you know, they want to wear the fancy clothes and they, they want to get a car. And, you know, the girls come like male artists and the girls come along and now it's time to relax. It's like, no, 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 no. point <laughs> yet. So when we came around, we took that low period. I told Ralph, I said, hey, with, with the way things are going, it's not going to work out in our favor the way we want it to work, right? Let's, let's take a step back. Let's, let's take a break, figure some things out before we move forward, right? Because the one thing with the, at least the stage we were in in business, we're still at a point where we could take a break and nothing was going to happen. We were going to say, all right, let's, let's go back to the drawing board. You know, it, then COVID hit, so it took a little longer, but we decided like, hey, and it kind of happens to me like overnight. Like sometimes I go into these periods of time where like something you know, negative happens, but it creates such positive energy for me like creatively. And I'm like, oh, wow, this idea pops up. Three more ideas pop up from that idea. And now I'm like writing things down on the board and stuff like that. I'm like, Ralph, you busy? I want to talk to you. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. hey, bro, what do you think about this? Does this sound crazy? Like, I think this could work. <laughs> right? So, you know, we, we've always had that kind of um, relationship, you know, to this day, I'm like texting him. I'm like, hey, bro, I got another idea. <laughs> you know, it happens all the time. So we came up with the idea that we have now for Age of Style, which is pretty much, you know, bringing everybody in and operating more as a hub station, right? That's the way I kind of look at it is like, hey, come come work with us. You know, tell us what what do you need, right? What do you need advice on? You know, where are you struggling? Where's the where are you trying to go? Which you're gonna find out with a lot of artists when you ask them those kind of questions, they don't know themselves, but they're the biggest superstars in their mind. But you have no sense of direction. You can't be a superstar with no direction. So you know we've 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 scoped our business model now to pretty much just be more of a helping hand. Yeah. You know, it's that, that, that I, it's like, I got a million, like first it reminds me of that quote that, uh, that Drake said in that lemon pepper remix where he was like, these days, fame is disconnected from excellence. Half the time I got to ask these days what their profession is. Yep. Well, cause you know, it's, um, it's interesting about how I think the stage, once someone gets to that stage, I don't think mm -hmm. people understand like the reason why the Drakes, the Jay-Z's, the Tom Brady's, the LeBron's, those guys are never satisfied because you can get to the top. You can have a great night. You can have a great season. You can have a great single hit, but you can come down from that so fast. Like we've seen artists that blew up, had one major song and then boom, mm -hmm. you know, that was it. You never heard from them again. Next thing you know, they're getting in trouble with the law, this, that, and the third. Mm -hmm because it's like they got too caught up on the high horse. So it's not just, you gotta love, you have to love the process and the grind. I feel like just as, if not more than the fame itself, because the fame is so fleeting and it's fun to be on top. Don't get me wrong, we all wanna feel that way, but it's like, you gotta be willing to put in the time after the championship and the champagne, mm -hmm. you know, wears off and all that. Otherwise you just fall off and you know, to kind of get, you know, kind of get deeper into what you were saying. I remember in high school, my buddies were kind of running, you know, they were basically having, they were, they were trying to put artists on themselves, you know, having shows and whatnot. And these dudes were big in high school. Like they were the hottest, they were the hottest thing in high school. And then I remember they had to do a show on Friday night and basically like either half of them didn't No, it was half of them didn't show up and the other half got so high, they couldn't get past security. You know, they were just so juiced up on the energy and the fame they were getting that they forgot, yo, you still got to bring it to the stage. Like, you know, 
you're only as good as your last at bat. You fuck up this show, you don't get in. That's how people going to remember you. Yeah. And it's just like, now you look like a fool. So it's, you know, it's like, I think, you know, there's, there are those people that they want the fame, but they don't really want the work that comes with it. Everybody yep. wants to be famous. Everybody wants to be a YouTuber. Everybody wants to be an influencer. But, but so many people don't want to work on that craft. They don't want to put in the work because it's like, what are you going to influence, right? Like, what, what, what can I learn from you? And that's how those people get filtered out. It's like once you're no longer given that value, you kind of flesh out. If you don't have the business and you don't have the talent, it's not going to work or the work ethic. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I want to get back to more of the kind of creation of your business. So, you know, I was on your website, you know, that you guys, th- th- there's like three of you that are listed on the staff. So how did you guys go about, I want to make sure I get the names of the other two ladies. I, uh, I wrote their names down. So, you know, there's, there's a lady named, there's, there's a girl named Catherine uh, Stalgliano, if I pronounced that right. And Cassandra, my handwriting is terrible. Uh, <laughs> bear with me. Strabopoulos. Yeah, I, and I of don't course, even and of course, Ralph Fontaine. <laughs> How did you know? Obviously, you and Ralph met in college. How did you guys go about recruiting the rest of the team? Oh well, I'll say you know, big shout out to Indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I met I met Catherine um, first. She came on at another company that I own, um, VXU Management, mm-hmm. where we kind of help um, you know uh, actors and models and things you know you know move along in their career from like a business perspective. And um, she was working as a junior manager over there, but she's more so into the music. So I went ahead and I told her, I said, hey, I have this other organization I'm putting together. Um, it's already put together, but it's in a revamp period. I would love for you to you know, work over there and things like that. And, you know, she's, she's a tremendous mind when it comes to the music and I think she's, uh, she, she's going to be a, a great asset, you know, moving forward in the future. Uh, that, that's how I pretty much met Catherine. She does um, a great job. I met Cassandra through that same company. Um, she was doing um, recruiting over there. I have VXU management, but I went ahead and told her because she's into the you know music scene much more. I said, hey, come on over. I know you're into marketing and things like that. So I brought her over as well. That's awesome. And, you know, we're talking three years now into this grind. Um, you guys, you know, on the website, you guys are stationed in multiple locations. It's not just in New York. You know, you're out in, you're out in uh, California. You're out in Texas. Um, there were other, you know, th- th- there was at least half a dozen places where you guys are stationed at it for artists. Um, you know, how, how has the, um, what has the process been of expanding the business as well as, um, you know, re- reaching out and finding clientele? How, how does that, how do you guys go about that process? So that in a, in a nutshell is very simple, right? We, we decided we're just going to have a great business model right we're not the pretty much you know not not to you know say anything bad about you know potential competitors and stuff like that but my competitors are terrible right they're charging much higher fees right we charge much lower fees right for you know advertising and stuff like that we, we barely charge anything when it comes to that so i think we're beating them out with like more of a low cost method right um but we still have high quality right and pretty much we just play the the quantity game right to, to handle the bills and everything like that play the quantity game and everything in that sort but pretty much we do you know low low cost high quality and that's how we've been able to you know bring people in but you know a lot of people you know they're very skeptical because there's there's so many scams out there and stuff like that so it makes it hard for businesses like my own to actually you know move forward but pretty much we just like debunk the whole like you know 
scam thing going on and stuff like that that you know we're we're officialized we have paperwork we have artists that are already here you know we have artists that have succeeded from you know the work that we've done and moved on to you know their next thing you know that that's just pretty much how we operate and you know just just going off of the the initial like conversation they they work with me most of the time on like you know hey Norman I have like this idea like you know if I join on with you guys like how could you help me with this and I'm able to break down in detail or tell them like hey you know and the best thing to do is be honest like hey that's a terrible idea Mm -hmm. I, I would never tell you to do that and whoever told you to do that does not know the music industry right you know this is the way that you want to go about things and then they're like wow you know I've always needed that kind of like you know that that hand to help me and tell me you know to go the right direction I didn't know this entire time right there's some people who come into those phone calls and they're like yeah I know what I'm doing what can you do for me so I'm like okay so tell me what you're doing and then you know they get stuck or they tell me something that doesn't even make sense and I show them how it doesn't make sense business-wise right and then they're like Oh man, yeah, I'd like yeah. Let's move forward, man. I I, li I like talking to you. I definitely like you know getting the knowledge. So we definitely use the high quality approach. And you know, it sounds like you guys are definitely you're looking more into who your uh, who you put who you have and represent your brand. Because you talked about how back in 2018, you know, to some extent, it was kind of like you guys just picking up whoever was reaching out to you across the street. And it turns out, you know, a lot of those people were basically like for lack of a better term, a one hit wonder. Now it sounds like you guys are taking more time to really, you know, figure out who's for real and who's just, you know, in it for the short term fame. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's really great for your brand because it just shows that people who are coming to you guys know that you're authentic. You're not just putting anybody on, you're putting people who really care. We're putting the time and the grinding and also you're giving them a fair opportunity to really make the most of their brand, something that they won't be able to get somewhere else, whether those people are scamming or just don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, yep. You know, I want to kind of get into you two more of, um, you know, your experience as businessmen and as entrepreneurs, because, you know, for one thing, reason why I have so much respect for businessmen and entrepreneurs like yourself is because I always tell people, right, this, I'm not knocking nobody's not in a fine job. But I think some people underestimate the fact that when you're, when you're starting your own business, there's no instant gratification. You're not getting a paycheck to do this or that. If this business fails, you can only blame yourself. You can't blame your boss. You can't blame the company. You can't blame your coworker. It's all on you. There's a lot of people right now who are putting this out with this on this on the gram and on YouTube. They're trying to get monetized. They're trying to get that bread but they're having to put all this time, these late hours, and they're not getting paid for that. You get overtime for that at a nine to five job. Yep. And on top of that, you're also dealing with the pressures and the stigmas of, you know, family members or friends looking at you like, nah, you know, like, nah, you're not going to make it or, you know, it's not going to work. You know, take the safe route, take this job right here. Like you can see the money, you can see the check. You know, it's a lot harder to say, I'm going to go against the grain. And even though I don't know what the light's going to be at the end of the tunnel, I'm going to chase this because I see value in this and I'd rather do what I love than live doing something I hate. Um, you know, what has that experience been like for you guys as businessmen before you started Age of Soul and just kind of, I guess, the, what, what, like, I guess, I, I, I get, I'm, I'm going on a rant here about entrepreneurship, but, you know, <laughs> I want to kind of talk about what, what is entrepreneur, first I should say, what does entrepreneurship mean to you all? And I guess kind of the sense I was saying we're like, you know, Actually, no, scratch that. Let's start with this, okay? What has been your, you guys' experience as businessmen, both, you know, in, in, a, in Age of Soul and before Age of Soul? 
Ralph, you want to go first? Mm-hmm. It's like you're on pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily working hard, but like your your mind, your thoughts tend to toward tend to travel towards like um, what's going on in the business because because when you can't see what's going to happen next or prepare for like the worst that might happen next, you will get like left behind. So it's, it's a busy lifestyle. Mm. Yeah. I think for me, when I look at it, like, even though you said scratch the question, I think the best thing is to approach that question is what is entrepreneurship to me, right? Entrepreneurship is, is freedom, right? It's freedom to be able to, you know, be happy. It's not necessarily like, for example, you know, if you work a nine to five, there's nothing wrong with that if you're happy, mm-hmm. right? If you're happy with the, the safe route, you're happy with, you know, the people that you work with, by all means, that's, that's an amazing route to go, right? But if you want to, if you're not happy and you really want to do something else, right, that you can't necessarily get from a job. Like you said, you want to be like a YouTuber and monetize and things like that. You got to be able to go against the grain and do what's necessary and put the work in, right? You know, there's, there's nights, you know, I could tell you, you know, even in my own relationship, you know, we've, my girlfriend, we've, we've struggled with my idea of, you know, being an entrepreneur and the late hours and things like that. And her coming out and saying, are you coming to bed? <laughs> it's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not yet, you know? And, you know, there's countless nights, you know, I will say, you know, when she watches this, she, she'll be able to see, but I definitely appreciate her, you know, sticking by me and everything through these type of moments. But the, the end is what you need to chase, right? Like you said, even with fame, it's, it's the goal. It's not the money. It's the goal that you're trying to achieve. And like, you know, I'm actually putting her on to entrepreneurship and like running her own business and things like that, where she could turn around and say, yo, um, I wake up, I'm happy. I'm not being yelled at by somebody I don't respect, right? You know, you're in a position where, you know, you're, you're not, you're not living, you're not working to live and you're not living to work, right? You want to be in a good space, whether you're being an entrepreneur or working a nine to five. But I will say, like Ralph said, it's something that's on your mind 24 seven. There's nights where I went to bed at two and I woke up at 430 because I couldn't stop thinking about something. I had to get up and I had to get to work, right? You had a job, you know how much money you would make? if you were working that much, mm-hmm. but entrepreneurship is not like that. It's much more about the goal than the money and, you know, not to go on, but I would just say, if you're anybody who's watching this and they want to be an entrepreneur, well, I'll tell you, if you're worried about the finances and things like that, that come along with it, well, I'll tell you is take care of your personal finances first, right? If you have any debts or anything like that, get that out of your way. Because honestly, that's the reason why we work It's because we have bills to pay right? If you didn't have any bills to pay, why would you go to work? Right? So if you want, if you know what your lifestyle looks like, right? Or you may have to take a cut back in your lifestyle. Not many people are willing to do that, right? And if you do work a nine to five and you want to be an entrepreneur, I'll say use your nine to five as a vehicle as like that investment money, right? You know, you work for a year, save your money, you know, for emergencies and save a little money on the side to invest in your business. Maybe it takes two years, but once you're done with that and you say, Hey, you know, give me two weeks, you know, do your thing and go back and say, all right, now I got my money. I got the setup. I know who I'm working with and things of the sort. And now you can be that entrepreneur that you want to. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a month, two months, six months. It could take a year, it could take two years. It could take five, but 
are you ready for that kind of, you know, responsibility that comes along with that? And like you said, you can only blame yourself. And I don't think a lot of people, especially in our day and age, is willing to take that and say, okay, wow, I messed this up because I wanted to play video games every day and not work on my business, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a choice at the end of the day. That, that's powerful. And thank you for answering that. Um, see, the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, I have, you know, been bringing on a lot of people who are photographers, artists and whatnot. And, you know, like I said, because I have so much respect for what it's like to go against the grain. You know, you talked about how, like, you know, in the past, it, there has been some complication between you and your girlfriend about, you know, the path that you've chosen. Um, so you've experienced, you know, sort of the stigma of being an entrepreneur yourself, right? You're not, like Ralph said, you're always on the go, you're working 24 seven. And that can be, that can be difficult for the people in your circle to understand, not because they hate you or they don't like you. It's just, we're not raised to be, to be free thinkers, to go the, the, the entrepreneurship route. There's a lot of colleges that don't have an entrepreneurship program. I was listening yeah. to DJ MB talking about that in the breakfast club. And it's like, you know, we're raised to sort of fit into a box, into a system. And mm -hmm. the problem with that is I, I recently saw this article from Forbes that, you know, it was like over 50% of people in this country are not happy with their jobs. So something's wrong. Mm -hmm. However, on the other side of that, I've also noticed that I think some people don't understand, like, you know, I, I've heard people say, oh, you know, you're a YouTuber, you're an influencer. That's not a real job. It's like, is it really not? Because it takes a lot, right? It takes a lot. If it's so easy to be YouTuber influencer, why the hell aren't you doing it? Because you know yeah. it's not a guarantee. You could put up 10 pictures of your ass right now. You might not, you might not get 100K likes. You could start streaming, you know, <laughs> Call of Duty right now. You might not get a million viewers. Because there's so, there's so yeah. much... Um, how do I say this? Like there, there's, I don't know if nuance is the word I want to use, but there's so much that goes into building a brand that pays back, that pays the passion back. Mm -hmm. And it's not for the faint of heart. When you're an entrepreneur and you're doing all this stuff, you could be up at four in the morning, you know, working on a video all night. And then you're getting three hours of sleep in the afternoon before you go meet with your next client discussing your next project. So it's just like, you're always on the go. Your hours are different. It's, but like you said, you're honestly keeping up with the business. So, you know, I want to talk to you guys about how important is it to, because I was listening to some of your articles, I listened, I was reading some of the bios in your artists, and they talked about how important it is for them to follow the music industry, follow the business industry. How important is it for you all as a company to keep up with, I guess, what's going on in the world, you know, music-wise, business-wise, et cetera? I'll say it's very important to, to stay up to, to date, of course. But you don't want to drown in that because you end up becoming a follower in your, your specific field, right? Mm -hmm. You're just looking and saying, oh, shoot, that's what they're doing over there. All right, now you're becoming a reactor. What you need to do is become like that company you're watching and become the, the leader where people are looking and saying, oh, shoot, you guys are doing that over there? Hey, why aren't we doing that, right? You're supposed to make them jump the way that they're making you jump. If you're jumping all the time and you know, you're reacting, you're too late. Just like the stock market. They tell you when you find out about it in the news, it's too late. You missed your chance. And, you know, that happens to a lot of people. And, you know, big thing like Ralph, you know, or I, we, we discuss all the time. I'm like, what can we do that's different? What can we do that's next level, right? 
there's certain things, you know, there's something that's coming out, you know, something amazing, you know, we're definitely going to be uh, discussing with you at some point. You know, I don't know if Ralph has brought it up to you yet, but there's something we're going to be discussing with you where it's for curators, it's for people who have a platform and we're giving them a voice. We're giving them, you know, you did, pretty much what we're doing with that is there's no longer a need for you guys to go to the YouTubes and beg for monetization, right? We're coming along with something even greater, right? That's going to pay the bills almost immediately, right? And, you know, it's, it's been a long time coming. Like I told Ralph, Ralph, you remember when we had the, the, the business meeting at, what's the name of that hotel in White Plains we met up at? And I had the whiteboard and I was like, it might have been Marriott. 4.30, <laughs> we need to make $1 million. And the way we're going to make a million dollars is with 10 different businesses that do 10 different things, right? And we're going to be providing different services, products along the way. And I told Ralph, I was like, you have faith in me. I have faith in you. Let's do this. Let's get 10 on the board. And let's, let me show you how we can make this income. And, you know, Ralph has had faith in me ever since. And, you know, the big thing I want to tell entrepreneurs right now, if you're getting into entrepreneurship, you're going to fail at some point. It's what you do after that failure. Once you realize you messed up, like, oh, man, I thought it worked this way. Now it doesn't. Oh, man. A lot of people, I'll say 95% of people will fail. And they'll say, all right, I'm done. All right, man, I, I, let me go see if I can go to Indeed and find a job. That's not what you do. You fix it. And you move along and say, oh, this is how we do it. If you realize you didn't make the profit that you needed, you know, sometimes you have to up the price or you have to lower your cost a certain way, right? There, there's something that comes along with it. You're going to have, you've got to, that's, that's what makes a, a true entrepreneur, real businessman, businesswoman, is somebody who can figure out the solution. It's not, oh, we have a problem. It's time to give up. That's, that's the employee mentality, right? You're supposed to work somewhere where somebody's going to fix it for you if you can't fix it yourself. You know, we ran through that snub with Adricel. I told Ralph when we took the break, I was like, yo, we're not done. Now, I'm bro, bro, I don't know if you remember how many times I told you that, but I was like, we're not done. We're not, we're not dissolving it. We're not done. We're going to figure this out. You give me time and I'm going to come up with the plan. And I did. And Adricel has been booming ever since. And I've had other people contact me, even family members like, oh, wow, I see what you're doing on Instagram. What's going on over there? Right. You know, but they thought I was honestly just certain family members who probably thought I was finished because they didn't even believe in it the first time. And I'm like, and I, I, you can ask my girl. I told her, I was like, yo, watch, I'm going to, I'm going to do something. I'm going to fix it. If I make a mistake with Adricel right now, Ralph, we're going to fix it. <laughs> I'm not giving up. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't have the mentality for is like, I'm not giving up. I'm going to save this quote when we get into the anime stuff a little later, but you know, you know, going back to what you're saying. Yeah. You know, and I think that comes from people are afraid to fail, like, you know, fear of failure. And you know, it's like that, that's the, you know, that's the, that's the whole difference, right? Like I've had bad days on the job, but I knew I was going to go back to work tomorrow and the building was still going to be up and ready. Mm -hmm. And entrepreneurship, <laughs> you're the one, the building, you, the building either comes, either crumbles or it expands. And that's all on you. When you yep. clock out, the building clocks out too. <laughs> so it, it's, it's a whole different beast. And it's like, just the process of putting yourself out there is scary because, you know, you make a new account went in, you're like, Hey, I'm going to get into this or that. Now everybody's looking at you, just you. You're the only name that's on the profile. So if you disappear, you don't want to be, no, nobody wants to be the one that fails and gets laughed at. They don't want to be the nail that gets hammered down. 
you can hide. You, you, you're not the, if the company gets fired, like I lost my job, you know, cause of COVID, but everybody, but most people, my job lost their jobs. So it just looks like the company couldn't keep most of us. And entrepreneurship is different. We're only looking at one person. We're not looking at the company. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that, that plays a factor in it too. And I'm glad talking, you kind of brought this up. I didn't want to look at too my questions too much, but um, one of the things I noticed on your website was you guys are very adamant of the fact that there is no contract. So now I want to get a little deeper into the business aspect of music for those who don't understand. Um, you know, I, I guess talk to me about the, the sort of ins and outs of the contracts. I've heard Megan Stallion in the past recent talk about how she wasn't happy with a contract. I believe it was a year or two ago. You know, yeah. for those who like myself that don't really understand the contract aspect too well, um, if you could explain that and further go along with why you guys are so big on the no contract situation. But, you know, first, obviously, you know, the, the idea of the contracts, how that works in business. So the, the contracts in the music industry is pretty much set up to, you no know, lack of better terms, rape you. They're going to take everything from you. You know, people don't see it. It's all, it's basically... They give you a good picture up front. You sign, then you get behind the scenes and you're like, wait, what? No, especially once you start making boatloads of money and you're not seeing it and you're looking like, trust me, I, I, I know for a fact, you know, people will sign a contract and they'll be like, hey, we'll give you $100,000 up front. You come from pro, you know, section eight, you come from the projects, right? $100,000, that sounds like a billion to you when you come from those kind of environments. So now they're like, they, they know what they're doing. Trust me. If you think you're going into a business and you think you're winning, you're not. I would say you go into Universal Atlantic Records, you think you're winning, you're not winning. Because why would their purpose with those contracts is not, yeah, let, let's write up a contract so they win and we lose. That's, that's not the case. They pretty much put a lot of clauses in there, a lot of hidden fees that you don't know. They'll say, yeah, we'll give you $100,000. Then they're going to have to pay what they call recoupment. So as you make money in your career, they're going to take that recoupment fee, which is getting their $100,000 back that they gave you. It's pretty much a loan. It's not really, hey, we just want you to have 100000 That's how they sell it to you. But they're going to get it back. So as soon as you sign that contract, a lot of labels, they have certain administrative fees, finance fees, um, accounting fees, and things like hidden in there on top of that 100000 So now you have $100,000. And now they're charging you for all these other things. They gave you $100,000. And it's worse than interest because now you're, you're looking at a, at a debt after a month of $137,000 that you have to pay back through your music at some point. But guess what happens the next month? They're still doing accounting for you. They're still doing finance for you. They're still doing administrative work for you. So now that 100,000 is 183,000. And you're like, you don't see that because you're not checking those books. You're just making money. You're spending the money. You just bought the bends and you're rolling through your hood and things like that. You feel good. You're showing off your family. You bought your mom. You put the down payment on your mom's house. You know, things like that make you feel good. You're in a studio. You're probably meeting some of the artists on the label. And then you're moving along. And you're, you know, you look and you say, all right, your album sells. And, you know, you do fantastic. And you're supposed to be, you know, with those kind of numbers, you're supposed to be getting back, like, you know, over a million dollars, let's say. And then you go to the label and you say, okay, what's going on? They're like, oh, well, you know, let's break down the fees. And, you know, this is all the costs that we have, right? All the marketing dollars we put into it. A lot of people think the 100000 is just the marketing. It's not true. The label sometimes what they'll do is that, you know, they'll go 50-50 for whatever you put up in marketing. And they'll put up a match or they'll cover the whole thing, depending on how generous the label is. So now they're charging all those fees back, right? They want all their money. And then on top of it, you didn't realize, you probably, maybe you did realize, you know, you work with your lawyer and, you know, you wanted the money up front, you know, you're getting 1.75% in profit. 
So once that number goes above whatever you owe, the label is still taking that 98.25% of your profit. And then you're looking at your contracts like, whoa, now you're looking at your management and you're saying, wait a second, my management is getting 25% of what I gross. So I'm in the negatives for the money that I have. Oh, I'm paying the lawyer. Oh, I have my own accountant too. I got to pay that too. And now you're looking at all these different fees and stuff like that. And the contract locks you into something that you have to do for the next five albums and you, you can't get out. And people are like, oh, let me have my contract. Let me have my contract. It's like, why would we do that? We're making so much money. I don't really believe in those kind of principles. So when we came along with Adricel, I told Ralph, I was like, yo, let's do no contract this time around. That's what seems like be like the number. And that's the thing you want to learn about business is you want to cater to what people's pain points are, right? And the contract is a pain point in the music industry, especially hip hop. And we said, you know, let's, let's do that. Let's do no contracts. You know, it's, it's fee-based, of course, but you pretty much can leave at any point, right? You can say, hey, you know, I use you guys for like three months. Thanks. I'll let you know when I need you again and you go about your business, right? That's kind of the way we allow things to, you know, move along. And my approach is if we're doing a good job, people don't want to leave, mm. right? You go sign the, the deal because they're going to give you, you know, $30,000 up front. Like the million dollar deals that you hear people get is not real. Like you're, you have to be like the best. You have to be like booming famous. Like you have to be that guy or that girl to get a million dollar contract. Most people you're looking at that sign a deal to sign it for $25,000 to $50,000 somewhere. Some people are signing for ten, right? They're, it's what they're willing to put up for you and what they think that you can give them back. If you turn around and make millions later, like that's perfect. But it's generally not like that. And a lot of people, what I'll say is when you go into this and you start talking about, oh, you know, it's fee-based, they don't want to put the money up themselves, right? But if you're not willing to invest in you, why should the label be willing to invest in you? Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people don't want to hear that you know, rebuttal because it's the truth. It's like, oh, you don't think you're that good to invest in yourself, but you want to be an independent artist. An independent artist has to invest in themselves, right? So there's a lot of people who don't understand. They have an idea, a theory, but it's just not full. And that's where the business intellect plays in the part of that to know, because I think, especially when, you know, like you were saying, when you're coming from the projects, a lot of us, I go, I'm from the projects myself. We see a million dollars. $10,000, we, 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 as soon as we see the commas, it's a wrap, right? It's like sign that shit because it's like, that's all we know, right? Like that, that that's how it raises. It's like, you get the, that, that's what it looks like. That's the end game. Once you, once you get that contract in front of you, we're not reading that shit. We're not supposed mm -hmm. to, we, we don't, we don't, like, we're not, we're not raised to read it. We're raised to see it and take it. Cause the next thing we're going to do, we're going to buy a Benz. You know, we're going, we're going to come back, come right back to the hood. Flex on everybody who said, who doubted us, said we couldn't do it. But mm -hmm. we're not understanding the business aspect of things. And that comes to bite us back later. Now, I think with being an independent, there's another aspect to this too that I want you to address because, um, you know, before, and this is the part that definitely confused me, right? Like nowadays you have YouTube and Spotify and there's so many different ways that people can stream. So you don't necessarily have to go out and buy a CD or a record anymore. How has that changed the game as far as, um, you know, independent artists or artists in general basically making money off their brand? This has definitely given the independent artists the opportunity. Like it's opened the door for them to kick down doors that, you know, they don't need. You know, you, you can kick the, the labels out of the way, right? And focus on having a marketing team 
get a management team behind you and you're, you're solid as an artist, you get a business management team, an accountant or something of that sort. If you're at that kind of level, yeah, you know, you're solid. You don't need the label anymore. The problem is this comes back down to entrepreneurship. Are you willing to invest in yourself? That time that the label was going to put in and you said no to the label, you have to put in, right? You have to make those calls, right? You know, the label will give you all this money up front where you could fly all your boys out to Miami and you can go to the greatest studio there. The label fronted the cost and they're going to get it back later in your streams. Or are you willing to put that money up and make that same kind of move, work with a marketing company, advertising company that'll do the same exact thing the label will do, but it's going to be your money this time. Most people don't want to do that. They'd rather invest the money in some Mercedes or BMW or the Rari. Like that's where they put their money. And it's not, not a great decision. It's the time factor too, right? Because, you know, it reminds me how in journalism today or like back in the day, one person was the camera, one person held the camera, the other person was the on-air talent who would talk. Nowadays, these media outlets, they want you to do all three. They want you to be the one who shoots the story, edits the story and reports on the story. You know, mm -hmm. why hire two people when I can find one person to do all three of that? The problem is for that one person doing the job, that's a lot of skills you got to learn. There's some big YouTubers right now who once they got big, they hired an editor to do the editing for them because it was time consuming, it was exhausting, and they were better at talking and presenting than they actually were at the behind the scenes stuff. So you're right, there is that factor of investing in yourself comes with a lot of responsibilities as well. So it's also at the same time, it's easier in a way to sign that contract than it really is to invest in yourself. Now, going back to the copyright, on the flip side of that is, it does remind me of digital cable, how like, you know, before you had to get a Comcast box and sign a two year contract minimum. Nowadays, you got YouTube TV, you got Sling, you got all this other stuff, you no contract, that's their big, that, that's their big brand. And it's pulling people in because they don't have to worry about that commitment. But at the same time, for you being the businessman, does that hurt you where you're not able to have that sort of guaranteed commitment from your clientele? I mean, you said before, you know, obviously like you're hustling, so they're not going to leave you. Now I would, now I guess my question to you is how, how difficult was it to come to that decision? And as of right now, would you say, do you, I mean, you, do you prefer, like, it seems like, I mean, it just worked out in y'all's favor. So I guess what I'm saying is what, what, what was that process like of just kind of going on the no contract situation? And do you feel do you feel like it's benefiting you more now? I would say it was a very difficult decision. It was a scary decision because when you start to look at things like that, it's like, oh man, there's no guarantee. But then you start to realize this is business. There's no guarantee. Even if you put somebody under a contract to do something like that, with the, the prices that we're putting out there, it's, it's kind of low compared to our competitors. What are you going to do? Take to somebody to court for $50, right? So, you know, you're kind of, you know, operating at a loss, but then you start to understand that when, when you start to understand like taxes, that's where you start to say, you know, it doesn't matter really because what happens if somebody doesn't pay, right? You mark that off as bad debt, right? And um, you, I believe it's called bad debt. Ralph, if, if you know, yeah. but I yeah, believe it's, it's bad, bad debt. debt. You can like write that off in your taxes, right? So businesses, they're not losing. Now, they may not be winning the actual revenue, but they're not gonna lose come tax season right? They're going to be in a good space regardless, you know, and then obviously there's the collection agencies and things like that you could work with. But I will say, you know, it's definitely, um, 
it's definitely the better decision. You know, we've grown tremendously when we went no contract. You know, there's a lot of fear with the commitment and things like that. And we do have some like um, commitment um, incentives if you do want to commit and things like that. But if you don't want to commit, you want to try, you know, month to month kind of deal, sure thing. You know, no, no issues there. And I think a lot of companies that have picked up that no contract method, you know, you see them kind of thrive because I think you're not, you're not losing, when you lose a customer on contract, you've really lost them because they had to suffer with you for two years, right? Mm -hmm. There's no getting them back. But when you're working with a customer, like, like if you have like a Hulu, you have like the YouTube TVs where there's no, no contract, people don't even worry about you, right? If you're doing a good job and providing what you need, people don't even worry about you. And you think about the first company that comes out and says no contract. Well, the others are in, are in trouble when that person who leaves, they're going to that company first because they had a bad experience. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of people say, you know, it, it works in like their personal lives. Nobody wants to be committed to something or obligated to anything like that. And, you know, it, it's just, it's just the society we live in. Right. And, I will say for any business, right, the, the non-committed route is going to be scary. And if you're a business and you, you say, hey, you know what, I'd rather take the chances with the non-committed and keep a happy customer base or have less of an unhappy customer base, then go the committed route. And then you have this pool of customers who may be paying but they're writing bad reviews. They hate you. They don't want to work. As soon as this is over, I'm done with them. And you know, you're giving your competitor the ammo to go ahead and say, hey guys, hey, there's no contract over here and we do the right thing. You're not going to get any issues with us. And if there is an issue, we'll try to fix it. We'll give you like a free month. Like you think of like a YouTube TV or something like that. If their services went down, I guarantee you they'll come out and say, hey, no, we're not billing this month. You know why? Because they want to retain that customer. And now the customer is like, oh, wow, they're actually, you know, they care about us. They don't really, but they care about us, right? You know, this not shysty business. And I think that, you know, that's definitely the route for a lot of businesses moving forward. Well, you know, I think that's really powerful because in the society we live in today, which is so much about showing the good side of you, only the highlight reel, it sounds like Adria Soul is so big on authenticity, right? Like you're not trying to just put on... Yeah, you're you're giving as much transparency to your clientele as possible. And I think that's one of those things that a lot of people, I've noticed it's working in the service industry and in sales for a long time. You know, when you start looking at everybody as like a dollar bill, at some point you're going to get into trouble for that because they can tell that. I mean, obviously at the end of the day, you want to hustle, but somewhere inside you got to have that energy where you really care about putting that person on just Mm -hmm. as much as you care about that dollar. If that's the business you're trying to get into, because in any sort of business like yours, where it's about customer satisfaction, retention, building clientele, people want to know that they're going to be taken care of. If I'm going to give you hundred percent, I want you to watch my back too. Cause we're basically making a trans and enter. We want to make this not just a, I forgot what my old Josh models, but you guys are going to talk about where it's like, it needs to, it needs to function like a well-oiled machine, like a, a basketball team with the ultimate chemistry. And so if I know that these guys are going to, if these guys have a good rep and they're going to take care of me and I know it's really, they're really in it, they're authentic. I'm going to stick with that because they're not just about making a buck. They're really about putting people on. And when you hang around someone long enough, you can tell when someone's just being a snake and they're trying to hustle you and like, Mm -hmm. you know, they're going to fall back. And it sounds like you guys are really big on 
you know, building the, like, you're really trying to put the people on. It's not obviously your businessman too, but like, this is, it's as much about being authentic as it is about business. Um, I wanted to, oh man. So we talked about the contract, man. Okay. So, you know, maybe this is part of the stuff you guys didn't want to talk about, but Ralph did tell me, oh, here's my second to last question on the business part. Um, I had it. I had it. So I was on you guys' website and there's a lot that you guys have to offer your clientele. I know I've got some people listening who, you know, of course are getting into music. I have friends who are, I have a buddy of mine, you know, he's a he's an up and coming music artist, really good. And I know just like, you know, a lot of artists, he's trying to get his big break. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't get to read through the whole thing, but are you guys still doing shows? Do you have, do you offer studio space, you know, to your clientele to record, like, you know, besides like the marketing, like, uh, you know, what you guys, I want to know what you guys also provide as far as, you know, hosting, uh, you know, being able to put, organize events at, you know, local bars and whatnot and, you know, studio space, things of that nature. Uh, and if we can kind of get a little more into the devil of the details. So the studio space um, that we've been curating you know, due to COVID-19 has been pushed off to mm -hmm. 2022. And um, when we do do the studio space, it's going to be free to any client that works with us. So there's not going to be any cost um, for that. So as long as you're a client, you can use the studio space. You just have to book your time like during, during the month, right? And um, when it comes to shows right now, it's a very touchy subject because there's a lot of regulation that goes into it thanks to COVID-19. Mm -hmm. So we'll just wait till maybe summer 2022 where we're really going to start kicking off back-to-back -back kind of shows and putting artists on in you know, many different cities and things like that. So, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely moving in a great direction. But we're definitely going to get back to the shows. You know, about music, when it comes down to a live performance, not just the streams. So we have to get back to the shows. Hmm. Man, it sounds, you know, I was talking to Ralph about this before I brought you guys on. But it sounds like, you know, in some ways, in, and, I, and I mean this with all due respect, because COVID has hit my family personally hard. And we're all going through a lot. This is not a time we want to be in right now. But it sounds like kind of what you were saying before. You kind of took this negative energy that was around you and you turned it into a positive and I think that's really cool how like kind of, it reminds me one of those Rocky movies or like, you know, one of those like anime arcs where the main character loses and there's that whole period where they have to kind of find themselves and pick themselves back up in order to face that next challenge. Um, you know, it really sounds like you guys took a lot of time to really think about how you were going to bounce back and be stronger during COVID. Obviously, there's still some restrictions, but that hasn't stopped you guys from being able to flourish in other areas. And, you know, I guess like, you know, this is, like, I guess, like, you know, the mentality, right? Talk, you know, like, it sounds like, you know, talk about the mentality and just, like, you and Ralph being able to really bring this thing back up to it, a level it wasn't even before. Like, I guess, I know you were texting Ralph, hey, you know, we're not done yet, but how hard was it to sort of pick up after where you guys left off after that, you know, sort of a dry spell? Uh, <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> Extremely hard. It's like, I will say I've never been challenged more in my life, you know, regardless of, you know, whoever goes to school and has to like, you know, take exams and things like that. And an exam is easy compared to this. It's like hard because you actually have like a life to maintain as well. You know, you kind of have to kind of have to go into this like zone of not necessarily not caring about everything else around you, but you kind of got to focus. And like, I know it's cliche. People say, Oh, work hard. You got to focus. Like, no, it's, it's really that, like just working hard blindly doesn't make sense. That's why a lot of people fail. Mm -hmm. It's really about the focus and the ability to see. If you're going to be able to, see, if you think too linearly, like, okay, you know, I have a business, 
and I want to sell scarves, right? If you think about, it, I'm just going to be the greatest scarf seller ever. It's not going to work unless your scarf is something new to the market. No one cares about your scarves. I'm going to be honest with you because there's too many companies out there that are much larger, that are much safer to work with. You got to think you got to get past that hump that people have of this new company idea. Like, oh, this is a scam. Mm -hmm. Am I going to spend my money and I'm not going to get the scarf in return? You got to have something that stands out so well to become the best scarf, you know, seller. You have to bring something different to the table if you want to get that recognition, right? You know, maybe your scarves you offer, and I would not advise anybody to do this because <laughs> this would be a high cost kind of deal. But like, you know, we, you offer replacement scarves if something happens after six months, you know, we'll give you a new scarf. You know, in case that one is like dingy or dirty or like rips or anything like that. Some scarf companies may not offer that. Maybe that's the reason somebody may go with you or is your scarf the smart scarf? Like, you know, where we never know where technology is going to go. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to your scarf as if it's Alexa? Like, did you create you know, a new technology tool like that and it wraps itself around you by itself? People may want to buy that, right? But if you're just saying, hey, I got a red scarf, buy my red scarf, you go buy a red scarf anywhere. And it might be cheaper because their cost to make the scarf is much lower than it probably costs you. So now you're, you're fighting the, the market. It's, it's a lot harder to go, not just against the grain, but you're going up against, you're going into the battlefield with no weapons. Hmm. You're just running around in the middle trying to get attention of like consumers and the other companies, they're shooting big guns. <laughs> they're, they're not playing. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of something. And I, and I used to hate when she would say it to me because she made it, the way she would say it to me sounded so condescending, but I knew she was right. She was always like, hey, Rich, you know, work smarter, not harder. But it's yep. true that you need to have direction and not just brute force. It's like, if I wanted to kind of use, you know, it's like when you're watching, you know, like, a, like NASCAR, right? Those cars can go 300, whatever, 1,000 miles an hour. But you got to know how to change direction and switch those gears. If you just drive straight, you're going to die. You can go really yeah. fast, but you're not going to win the race. You got to know how to have control and navigate through the route so you can win. Um, and that's the, you know, because there are hardworking people out there, but not all of them have the, the, like you said, the vision, the mindset to know where to apply that energy and how to sort of sustain it and sort of, steady flow of like you know just like a running faucet i guess as a i don't have the same comparison but I, but i i i'm I, I got i got where you're coming from on that um you know i do okay so maybe this is what you didn't want to get into but ralph told me that you guys are starting this and he thought it would be a good thing to talk about too it sounds like you guys are going to get a podcast started soon uh if that's uh, not no. something you but, wanted to no. announce now i can cut that from the interview but um yeah. So it's not a podcast. What what's going on is that we're giving curators like yourself the opportunity to like partner with us, no cost, completely free. You just come ahead and you, you partner with us and we'll say, all right, you know, we're gonna go get these this advertising money and we're gonna kick it to you guys. Right? You're gonna put like for example, if a company comes along and they wanna put like their logo like on your show, maybe like right in the bottom corner, you know, they'll pay to do that and we'll kick the, the money to you. Right. That's that's our system. That's our model. And there's different levels and tiers to it. But, you know, once you get to, you know, the top tier, you know, a top tier show, a top tier um, platform, you go ahead and we pay for like all your expenses. We pay for all the recording, the editors. We pay for travel. 
and everything was sorted. You get like a base pay from us and everything like that as if you're one of our employees, right? So, you know, we have a very good structure that's coming down the line. I don't want to release the name of the company yet or too many mm -hmm. details on it because it's coming in the next couple of weeks, but it's definitely a, a great platform. And um, I, definitely, I definitely advise someone like yourself to definitely get, get ahead with us because there's no, there's no negative. There's no cost to you. It's just, it's just profit. It's just revenue turning into profit at that point. Absolutely. I'm definitely going to, you know, it's crazy. Like, uh, you know, me and Ralph were like, oh, my God. Me and Ralph were so close when we were younger, even though we wouldn't see each other all the time. It was just kind of like Batman and Robin. And then there was this point, you know, where, you know, you know, life happens and he's going, you know, he's got high school and college. I got high school and college. And after I graduate, I go to New York and it's like, boom, you know, you know, we're linking up again. And now here we are, right. You know, talking mm -hmm. as businessmen. Um, now, before I trend, you know, before we kind of leave Adrian, we talk about, you know, New York sports, and then we'll get into anime. My last question to you all is, um, what? It sounds like some things you don't want to announce yet. Uh, yet, so feel free. You know, if you don't, if you want to dive this question, but I was going to ask, what's next for Adriso? If there's if there's anything you could tell us, that's cool. If not, right now, that's fine as well. Just I figure, you know, that's uh, that would be a nice way to put the lid on that section of it. So for Adriso, the next thing I'll say is is simply growth. You know, by, by the end of 2021, I want to double our roster. That's really my goal. We double our roster. We bring in more staff, you know, gain more connections. That's, that's pretty much what's, what's, what it is for Age Yourself. Love it. All right, my man. I, man, it's, it's crazy. Like, talking to y'all, man, it, it, it just feels like you can just take the clock off. But it's, I'm having a great time with you. I appreciate your answers, man. It sounds like your company's very authentic. Um, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad I caught you guys when I did, but now we got to talk about what else is popping in New York, not just y'all's brand, but I've, I've been telling people lately, man, East coast Hollywood is back. The New York Knicks are currently the top four seed in the East. Ralph tells me you're a big Knicks fan. You guys have not been to the playoffs since 2013. <laughs> What has the energy, yo, like, what has it been like watching the Knicks come back? Because I tell everybody the NBA is better when the Knicks are lit. What, yeah. <laughs> what's this, what's this like for you right now? And, I, and I'm a Boston fan. I hate the Knicks, but like, I, li I like it when y'all are relevant. It, ju it just makes it more fun. So, so for me, I'll say so it's a relief, man. It's, it's been a long time. I mean, <laughs> I have friends that are like Nets fans, Celtics fans, Raptors, and like, and we've we've been struggling. You know, there's no championships since the '70s, and every time we get a good player, it's always old and that past is prime and all the jokes. But right now, I think you know New York is in a in a great space. I don't think we get to really see how lively it could be because of COVID right now. Mm -hmm. Like, if COVID wasn't here, I feel like the streets of New York would be flooded. I think, you know, people would be so excited. People who weren't even able to go to the garden to watch the game would be outside the garden excited. Like, you've seen the finals for the, the Toronto Raptors. People are outside. They're in the cold, like, cheering. That's exactly the type of energy that, you know, you get from New York. And for me, it's just been been tremendous. Like, I watch the Knicks now, and I'm like, this isn't the same team. There's, like, no way. You, going into the season, you would never expect we're going to be top four. But you see what coaching can do. And, you know, again, back to business – coaching a uh, good good CEO you know it's all about the leadership you see how things can change for you 
Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I feel like it was just yesterday, like, you know, people were telling James, don't want to step down. Um, homeboy, was it uh, – I was dying when this story came out. Charles Oakley, how oh, he got yeah. attacked by security, and he was just <laughs> – oh, my – like, the Knicks, were a, the Knicks were a mess. And you in the other year when you guys didn't get Zion in the draft, and, I, and you know, everybody, like, it was – it's crazy because nobody expected the Knicks to be this good this year. It's like it just and the ex and the expectations. Everybody's been we waiting for that big. Yeah, you know, even when Melo was there, like you know, as far as I remember, like it was the Knicks only had one really like over the top year where you were like, yo, like they're gonna like they could really do it in the finals. And I think that was the year that the Knicks got upset by the Pacers, right? That was mm. um, you know, that was when Melo was. They were talking about Melo, excuse me, Melo winning the MVP. And it didn't work out. So it's like, you know, I bet you turn on the next games now and you're like, you're actually watching them with the confidence that, yo, they're going to win this game, right? If they mm -hmm. play in the game, they're going to win. Because I know, you know, I mean, the Celtics really haven't had that many baddies, but I know like with that one bad year they did have, it makes a difference when you're watching the team and you're watching them with confidence knowing, yo, like if we play our game home or road, like we're going to win as opposed to, yo, I just hope they can make this competitive. <laughs> you know, like, now you actually want to watch the Knicks. You actually mm – -hmm. you look forward to game day. You got the schedule on your wall. It's just – have you ever been to the Garden? Yeah, I've been to the Garden. Um, the feeling is is unreal. You know, Definitely got, unreal in the Garden. I went and I watched um, Prime D. Rose, the mm -hmm. Bulls versus New York, on my birthday. And um, – <laughs> I remember because it's like one of his biggest highlights. If you ever look up like Derrick Rose on YouTube and like his like best dunks and stuff like that, or like, you know, best highlights, there's the game where he gets the ball on a fast break against the Knicks and he goes up, he puts it behind his head and then slams it. I was right there at the game and the diver, I was on an angle for when he came running down the court and he like slammed it. So like oh, everything people are saying, this is a highlight. I was actually there and I saw it. Derrick Rose is a beast, by the way. You know, shout out to him. And now he's on the mix, helping us out right now. Listen, man, you know, I love I love uh, the Celtics, but I love competition, too. So I was devastated when he got hurt because, you know, during that time, the Celtics, we were at war with the Miami Heat. Like, we we wanted, like, you know, it got worse than where Ray Allen left us, but we were at war. So I'm like, yo, we need some help. Because I felt like – so I wanted Derrick Rose to take out the heat, right? Take out the heat, and I think we might be able to take y'all. I don't know if we could take LeBron in the mid, but we might be able to take mm -hmm. D. Rose. So when D. Rose went down with that knee, it was, it was just devastating. He was such a great and fun player to watch, man. Like, you see what Russell Westbrook's doing now. That was basically D. Rose, mm -hmm. you know, in Chicago before he went down. Honestly, I feel like I had more fun watching Derrick Rose because this dude was just – like, this guy was the youngest MVP ever. He was so explosive and just – Seeing him in a Bulls jersey, it just – there's something about the Bulls, too. Just seeing, like, the Bulls when they're good is just – it's nostalgic. It's historic. It just feels right. Like, not as, not as hard as maybe when the Knicks are good, but I love when the historic teams are good. And yeah. the thing about the Knicks is people – I always hear so much about how, like, NBA players love playing in the Garden. Like, the Garden mm -hmm. is literally, like – the Hollywood arena of the NBA. You would think it would be the Lakers. Don't get me wrong. Staples Center is still a huge attraction. But guys that don't even play for the Knicks, they might not want to play for the Knicks, but they want to have their best game in the Garden. Like, that's yeah. where everybody wants to be. Prime time at the Knicks. I just – I admire it, man. It, it, it's, dope. it's dope to see the Knicks back on the, back on the planet. You got a guy like Julius Randle 
who basically was bounced around the league, supposed to be this guy, wasn't that guy in L.A. I forget. I think he – I don't know. I don't remember if he was in New Orleans the year before and then he got pushed up there. But I, I believe he was on two teams before he got to New York. And mm-hmm. now they're talking about him as, you know, most improved player. Like, he's he, – you know, he's he's in all the discussions as far as, like, the top players in the league. So, it's like – it, it, it just came out of nowhere. And, you know, you got some guys on that team that were basically considered washed up at that point. So to have that back, you know, you're not just getting those bums who were just kind of, you know, on bad contracts. Like you guys actually now have a squad and uh, a good organization. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, now, on the other hand, though, you got another team in New York, you know, the Brooklyn Nets. All right. How many real fans are there in Brooklyn versus the bandwagon Hoffners? From this year, once the big three came together, I think seventy-five percent of those fans is is bandwagon. It's bandwagon. <laughs> like even when the Nets first came, it was cool, but no one cared. Mm-hmm. You know, they even to this day they're winning. They're, they're you know a top-tier team. They have like you know, a slew of the best um, players in the game. They're still not New York's team. <laughs> you know, Brooklyn starts winning. It's like all right, Brooklyn, that's what's up. But when you look at the Knicks. And they start winning. Now they're saying New York is back, but the Brooklyn Nets have been here. They've been, they've won before, and <laughs> New York wasn't back when they were here. Man. The Knicks, the Jersey back. Nets, the New Jersey Nets, the, J- the Jason, <laughs> the Jason Kidd Nets. Man, yeah, the Jason Kidd Nets. I'm like, I can't remember the last time. Like that was like the last time the East. The best player in the East was a white dude, man. Like, like I, I know there was some other cats, but like the Nets went to the finals, what, like two, three years in a row, and they got and they got their ass kicked every single time, man. You know, shout out to Jason Kidd, man. He could ball, but you know, it's like, it, you know, it's true. Like the the Nets are the, like the little brother of that town. Like even when the Nets are good, people care. People were more likely to watch the Knicks when they're winning ten games a season because it's the Knicks. Like they just have yeah. that pull, and I I think I think that's cool. That's why. I honestly wish that KD and Kyrie would have went to the Knicks, and I wish that Zion would have gone to the I like as a Celtics fan, I wanted because I love storylines. I wanted Zion in New York, Big Apple. You know, people saying that this guy's gonna be the next LeBron. Like he doesn't need to be in New Orleans. Put this kid in New York, man. <laughs> Put him in the Garden. It's crazy, but you know, it's like a. I mean, as like a Knicks fan, how far do you see them going in the playoffs this year? Uh, as a Knicks fan, I'll say I'm confident to see them in the second round. Mm-hmm. I'm a little confident for them to make the, the conference finals. I don't know if they're going to get past um, Brooklyn. That, that's my worry. But otherwise, I think they can compete with any team. I think Brooklyn's offensive power is the problem. Mm-hmm. I think that's the problem. But I don't think um, Brooklyn – I think the Knicks can battle. I can give you that. They, you, if you watch the games, you know the Knicks are fighters. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to doubt them too much. And Julius Randle is playing remarkably. So I, I, can't, um, I can't knock that. You know, it, it's interesting because looking at the Nets, you know, it's almost like I, it reminds me of when the Miami Heat's big three was together. And I'm like, you know, they're kind of – they're the two seed in the East, right? I wonder if they're going to be able to turn it on. Like we would always ask about the heat when the playoffs come in. Cause the way I see it, man, if Brooklyn plays like, like to their potential, no one in the East are going to stop them. There's nobody, there's no team that can beat that three headed monster. 
Um, but, you know, if those guys don't bring it, if they're hurt, you know, if Kyrie's missing games, because, you know, Kyrie want to Kyrie wanna go out to space and see if the earth is really flat, you know, then, then you might be able to steal a game because we don't know how mentally tough they're going to be. But, um, you know, I'm, in, I'm definitely excited for the playoffs. The playing tournament's going to be cool. I'm telling people right now, the playing tournament is going to be more lit than the first round. Teams are going to get swept in the first round, but the playing tournament, I mean, my Celtics, I don't know. We just lost JB, so I, I said throw the whole season away. But, you know, I'm – Look at Jason Tatum, man. That kid is nice. Yo, see, the way the Knicks are playing, that's how the Celtics should be playing. The Knicks, the Knicks play with passion and they play with heart. So, like, I like teams like that, that even though they might not be the most talented – they play every night like it's the last game they're going to play. They, that, that, that's respect for the game, right? Because there's someone who wants to be on that court right now. With the Celtics right now, it's just like they're like those kids. They're like those spoiled kids that basically like – because, you know, we had a couple years where we played a lot better than what people were expecting. But kind of like, like what y'all and those arts that y'all encountered in the past, they let the clout get to their head. And now they've come back down to the mean – and I don't know if they have the mental toughness to understand you got to work to be a LeBron. You got to work to be a Steph Curry. You know, you, you, you're not, you can't just show up. Like we didn't go to the finals. We lost in the East. Like it's, you know, it's, it, I, I got a lot of respect for the Knicks, man, for, for what they're doing this year. And I, I honestly hope they make a good run outside of Brooklyn. I think it's anybody's game. If Brooklyn doesn't show up, I could see Philly with Doc Rivers getting hot. I could see, you know, Milwaukee's been, you know, losing early in the, in the playoff round. So who knows what's going to happen. But I, I like how the East – people are paying attention to the Eastern Conference again. So that I, – I appreciate that. Um, and, you know, with that, I think, I think I got my basketball questions out the way. Now we got to get to our third and final topic. My man's Ralph right here tells me, my brother, that you are also a huge anime fan like me. You know, I've noticed in recent years how the stigma on anime has really changed. You know, first to bring it into music, like Age or Soul, you know, you got people like Meg Thee Stallion, Travis Scott, Little Uzi Vert, you know, all these big time artists and rappers now who are repping anime, doing interviews with, you know, anime brands like Crunchyroll. You know, before it was seen as a thing that's kind of like, you know, for these weird, edgy kids that don't take showers and are socially awkward. But now I feel like the cool kids, you know, are making their way into the game now. And you're seeing it in hip hop. You're seeing it in pop culture. Like you, you, you got, you know, you got all this Dragon Ball Z gear at Target and all these big name stores. I guess like, like what has that, what, what has that been like for you as someone who follows music and also loves anime to see that, to see those two come together like that? I think it's definitely beautiful. I think the next generation that, you know, is our anime fans are going to be much more accepted. You know, even to, to my, my degree, I had to, I kind of had to hide my interest in anime. Mm-hmm. Me too. Because you know, you're not viewed as normal if you like watch anime and stuff like that. But I'm a huge anime fan, man. Like I, I barely watch regular TV. I like right now I'm trying to decide on mm-hmm. What's the next anime I'm gonna watch? Right, I, I watch I watch so many, and you know I could think um you know one of our boys you know Ralph knows him Chris, you know he put me on my man Mike Tomlin um he put me on in college to you know a bunch of different animes I didn't even know existed outside of my usual realm. I was like as a kid the you know most anime people will tell you like you know that's pretty normal, but I was in love with Dragon Ball Z like mm. every, <laughs> say less 
Preach. <laughs> Preach. Yep. I knew oh, everything about. I remember I used to have arguments with my boy Chris. Like, bro, that's not how it happened. That's not how. That's not what he meant when he said that. Mm. I'm like breaking it down, and I'm still trying to get a couple of my boys onto anime, but you know they're being resistant. I feel that, yo. I'm gonna get into that part in a second, but you know that's the thing, right? Like growing up, I had to hide the fact that I was in the anime too. Cause I used to get bullied for being in the anime. It didn't matter. The, like I wasn't one of those kids that wore a Naruto headband and ran behind the hands behind the back. But I try to tell people get an anime. Now you didn't have to do that. Right. Just if people knew that you liked anime, that was enough to, that was enough to just basically isolate you. Like you were yep. weird, you were different. And you know, it, it's crazy now that you're like, you know, talking about modern day, right. You had an anime movie that just hit theaters that was number two its first weekend in the box office and then number one, the Demon Slayer movie Mugen Train. So you're talking about competing with Mortal Kombat, right? Mm -hmm. Demon Slayer, a foreign film from Japan, not nearly the type of advertising, nowhere near the same amount of advertising that something like Mortal Kombat's getting in America. You know, it wasn't in as many theaters and you're still competing with that number one and number two. That shows you that and I believe that movie out made more than the Dragon Ball Super Broly movie two years ago, which, you know, Dragon Ball, people that don't even know anime know what Dragon Ball is. So I was telling my buddies how, like, you know, anime is not only getting bigger now, people are also more comfortable talking about anime and wearing anime on their sleeves. Like the kids that, you know, used, you know, the, the people like us who had to hide it, now they're showing up to the theaters. Not to represent, and it's not just kids. It's people our age, it's people twice our age. When I went to go see Broly a couple years ago, there was grown men in their 70s in that theater. So it's just like, it, I think it's so cool now to see how anime is starting to be normalized. And, you know, I, you know, I talked to some people who are still kind of, you know, like I got friends like my, I, I got it, like most of my friends in the anime, most of my friends, that's how we all met and whatnot. Me and Ralph always watch Naruto and Dragon Ball Z together. Like that's our bread and butter. You know, um, myself, I think that, I think, you know, cause I got, I got like a, my producer who's helping me with my videos. He's big in the DC and Marvel. He's still working his way into anime. I think for people that don't take, you know, anime seriously, I think it comes down to two things, right? I, I noticed that with cartoons in America, we tend to use cartoons to tell jokes. Whereas like in Japan, they're not afraid to use cartoons to tell real serious authentic stories because a lot of anime like dragon ball z naruto my hero black clover a lot of that stuff i think that why it's resonated so much and it's grown so much is because a lot of those stories have to do with teaching young men real lessons about life about how to work hard how to treat yourself how to treat your family your friends your peers what it means to listen and to grow and to deal with failure and grief there's a lot of morals and lessons that you get in that that you don't get in American cartoons or you rarely ever get in real TV. Right. And, I, and the second part to that is I think because it's in the form of a cartoon, some people get turned off by that where they don't think it, they, it can get serious, but that that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. um, but it is changing though. People are coming around to it. I'm actually like working on a video right now for my brand. It's going to, it's in post-production. It's, you know, top 10 anime for newbies. And we got another one post that is called top 10 classics. It's, I'm going to have like a whole playlist basically to try to get people into anime who are kind of on that want to get into it, but aren't really sure where to start. Cause there's so many now to watch. It's like, you don't even know where to get into. Like, I'm going to ask you in a sec, you know, 
Like, what are some of your favorites right now? Oh, man. My favorite. Sorry, I know I just went on a whole tangent, but, you know, I I just got hella excited. It's cool. No, trust me. I know the feeling. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll say my favorite right now, definitely against the grain of, you know, what people are used to. But I'll say, I don't know if you've seen it, Death Note. I saw that like 10 years ago. My boy put me under that in high school. Yep, Death Note. Um, That was a chess match, man. Yeah, (laughs) every single episode in Death Note, man. Yo, I hate watching shows like that sometimes because it's like, I know, like, just when you think you know what, just just when you're comfortable with the plot, (laughs) hits you with a twist. Think this dude's gonna find out what his real name is, and then nope, writes homeboy's name in the (laughs) yo. Oh my! That that's the only anime where I watched it and I didn't look at the episode count because I didn't want to know what it was gonna end. I just wanted to, yeah. be, I just, I just wanted yeah. to roll with it. I don't mm-hmm. want to know what it ends. I'm just gonna keep going and just, yo, Death Note was awesome, man. Yeah, another oh, one say is uh, Demon Slayer. Demon Slayer, okay. Yeah, one of Have my, you seen the movie? My favorite right now. Favorite right now. Nothing better. Hmm. I didn't get to see the movie yet. Oh, yeah. In my opinion, it. It wasn't as great as it should have been. Yeah, for I'm just real putting it out there. Yeah, I don't want to like Ooh, raise I, my I expectations. Manga, so mm-hmm. my expectations aren't that high. Okay. I've only seen, you know, I know what happens. I, I there's certain key things I've seen in the manga that I'm looking forward to seeing in the movie. So gotcha. as soon as they you know hit those points correctly, I love it. So we'll we'll see how it um, folds out. I've just been too busy to go to the movie theaters. But um, I'm going to wait. I know in June it's supposed to, to drop to streaming services. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, like, I don't know if you guys know this, but the movie got leaked, right? So, like, somehow, I guess, some, you know, some dump, some intern from PlayStation Network leaked the movie. And so a bunch of people bought the movie. Like, it was out for, like, six hours. I mean, PlayStation took it down, but now it's on all those, like, you know, illegal anime pirating sites. So I got mm. to watch the movie twice. You know, well, well, three times. Once in Japanese, twice in English. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a Demon Slayer fan, you are going to love that movie. I actually, like, I love that movie. The first time I watched it, I was like, I thought the, I thought the beginning was very funny. And then I thought the second half was, like, amazing. Like, I can't tell you. Like, and, and I went back to read the manga afterwards because I was like, I'm going to be real with you. I'm one of those people that's like, yo, I didn't feel like the manga of Demon Slayer was as good as what the anime showed itself to be. I mean, either way, it doesn't matter. It's the anime's job to elevate the manga. So there's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with that. But I was like watching the movie and I was like, yo, I feel like y'all took maybe like uh, a C story and turned that shit into like an S-class movie. Yeah. Like that, like, Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, if you read the manga, you know, the the battle between Ren Goku and Akaza when I tell you the visuals, the music, the fight scenes, the animation, yo, it was like, it was like, yo, it was, it was on, it was at 11, 11 out of 10. Like I've watched, I've watched that final fight in the anime at least 10 times because it is so intense. I, I noticed see, the, the, the thing where I agree with Ralph is that there's definitely a point in the movie where like, and I think this is what happens when you adapt an anime arc because people got to understand like they're, they're basically taking a short anime arc and turning it into a movie. There's times in the movie when it feels like, especially in the middle where it kind of, it feels like a really long anime episode 
right? And I know that, and that's kind of like the down point. But when it get when Akaza shows up, or I should say, like what I would say, the second act of the movie, really, or the third act is when Akaza shows up. From that point on, I mean, that's eleven out of ten. I still really love. I still really love the beginning, but mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, the the Akaza appearance. That that's where the money made. That's where the money's made. Like that's what people are gonna remember that movie for. It, it's if you, I mean, if you want to watch it in the theater, go ahead. But if you really want to watch it right now, like you can honestly find it on any one of these anime pirating sites. But you know, I was the first. I, I definitely enjoyed the movie more the second and third time as I as it really got to sit with me. But you're gonna love that movie, man. I hope you're gonna so. love it. Another another one that I I don't want to forget, and I'll definitely give a shout out to mm-hmm. is um Jujutsu Kaisen. Ooh, yo, yo, Banger. yo! I'm gonna tell y'all right now before this interview, because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give y'all a chance to put my audience on to some anime before before we wrap this interview up. Yo, I usually so I, I love Bleach. I'm so happy Bleach is coming back. Like that <laughs> that change. Like people were making fun of me for years saying Bleach is dead, it got canceled, you know, all, all that blase blah. But you know, we, we we know where that story went. And I look at Jujutsu Kaisen as like the next Bleach. But yo, Gojo, that's one of the coldest oh, motherfuckers I've ever seen in anime, period. Usually Rocky, I don't fall in love with it. Yo, nice. usually I don't fall in love with an anime until like the until like the season two. Like I feel like for me, the first 25 episodes is kind of like the prologue. So I'm not really feeling the story of the characters. I feel like I feel like I'm just getting the grain. The the, the I don't, it, it takes me time basically, but I've never I've never like like loved watching a character so much than watching Gojo. Like Gojo is just so cold. Like I saw the scene. Uh, I just rewatched the scene again where like he like breaks the barrier and then he does like the the purple and the he does like the he does like the the red and the blue and just sends that big tidal wave. Yep. Yo, like this dude is so cold, man. Yo, Jujutsu like, Kaisen is different, bro. It's got him, attitude. I tried to do that on Saturday with Ralph. I was like, what you got to realize about this man? He literally teleported to go pick up his student. He's so confident in the battle. <laughs> yes. He said, let me go grab my, my student while he's watching TV. Come on. <laughs> brought him to the field. His student was like, yo, how do we get here? He's like, hey, you'll be all right. Just stand close to me. Mm-hmm. And he's this, this is crazy. So if you want to put it to real life, and I think this is where people will get interested in anime, mm-hmm. if you think about like how like the streets run, imagine watching somebody beat somebody up while talking to their little brother and think, well, this is how you do it. Right? You see how he's yep. back and trying to fight back? What you do is you block that hit, you just keep punching. You just keep, and that's basically <laughs> what he did. He beat that man while teaching him why he's going to lose. He was like, oh, you're going to put your domain up. All right, yeah, go ahead. And then I'm going to show you how I'm going to beat it. <laughs> and then he beats it, and he just raises his joint. He's like, all right, so this is how it's going to go. Yo, because we was like, yo, what's behind that blindfold? And yeah. like, you think about a show like Naruto, right? We didn't see Kakashi's face for like 15 years. Right? <laughs> and by the time we actually saw his face, I didn't even care anymore, bro. Exactly. Like they, they literally dedicated a whole episode of like part one Naruto, excuse me, to see what his face looked like. In that mm-hmm. episode, we don't see his face. It's like by then, like, Kakashi wasn't even that big of a character in the story anymore when we saw it. So it was like, all right, whatever. Like, we just want to see Naruto become Okage. Yep. But Gojo pulls that shit up in, like, episode eight. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, yo, this dude has, like, this power of, like, inf- like 
He is so cold. So like powerful. out of all the mentor, like I love Yami and Black Clover. I love me some Yami. <laughs> but yo, yo, Ralph knows how much I love Black Clover. Man, I feel like it gets way too much hate. My hero is like the Steph Curry of anime now, and Black Clover is like, like the James Harden. But anyways, you know, it's like Gojo is like, Gojo is so cold. Like these dudes literally create. I've never seen a show where they literally create a barrier just for one man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they literally it, 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 it's, it's like if you're a fraternity, right? Well, you're a club and you're like, yo, we about to have this big ass event, but we're so scared of having Debo show because you know Debo's a problem. <laughs> so we literally put out a sign for the club saying, yo, Debo's not allowed. Like anybody but Debo. Debo's friends can show up, whatever, but no Debo. Yeah. It's just like, yo, this man and, and, and he's just yo, this guy, and I thought you know who also fucking uh, Jiu Jitsu Kaisen, the villain, um, Sukuna. Cause mm-hmm. Sukuna don't give a yeah. he don't give a he don't give yeah. a damn about anybody. I like him like, so much better so than cold. in Naruto because mm-hmm. he he's, he's, he calls he's, on Sukuna and Sukuna's like nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sukuna don't play. Yeah, he don't Yo, care. Sukuna don't play, bro. They the thing like, about Gojo too mm-hmm. is that he's cocky as hell. The villains they literally. Re- you never see this from villains, but these this these villains, a group of them, mm-hmm. and they're like, they really are saying, we want no smoke with Gojo. Mm-hmm. We're not attacking. We have plans, but we can't move forward because Gojo's around. <laughs> so, they said they said we're gonna they said we're gonna deli- I said celebrate. They said we're gonna celebrate and we're gonna wait for an entire holiday to try to handle this man. We gonna we gonna wait till Halloween, mm-hmm. right? That's they this in the MAO. They're like, yo, we we can't fuck with them right now on Halloween. We gonna try something. We gonna, they said we gonna try to seal him. They said we gonna try to seal him. That that means yo, we can't box him out. Yeah, we can't, we can't box him. And it's just like yo, I'm so mad because like I want to know like Gojo, like I want to get his whole backstory. Like, how the hell did this dude become this strong, bro? It's just and he's chilling strong. I, and <laughs> he's got scars. Like he had to develop from the fights. It's like, oh man, I'm strong. You know, it's like. It's like, <laughs> like, like I feel like, you know, you know, I was listening to this interview uh, recently where the author of Jujutsu Kaisen, he said that, you know, Bleach and the guy who wrote Yu Yu Hakusho and Hunter Hunter were his biggest inspirations. And, you know, I feel like with newer series, you know, you got a lot of people that say that, you know, they're too cliche and they copy too much off, you know, that whatever. With this show, I feel like, I feel like this guy is like, he looked at what worked. Like he, I mean, because apparently the author's our age, so the dude, you know, he grew up watching DBZ Naruto Wiz. I feel like this guy looked at what worked and just found a way to add attitude to it. Like mm-hmm. you can tell, like, I look like Gojo has that Kakashi mentor role, mm-hmm. but he has Kisuke Udahada's personality from Bleach. Yeah. So he's the mentor. He has a Kakashi swagger, but a different personality. And you got the um, you got the trio of, you know, Megumi you know, Itadori and Nobara, but we actually like all three of them. Nobody likes yeah. Sakura growing up. I, feel <laughs> I didn't like Naruto at first. Yeah. I didn't like the character. I, he was I, annoying. Yeah. I feel like this guy saw what works, and he used the tropes, but he did it in a way where it doesn't feel cliche. Like, I feel, mm-hmm. and Jujutsu Kaisen to me feels like Bleach, early Bleach, with attitude. Like, this mm-hmm. guy, like, this is the show that I could put someone onto who's never seen anime, and they gonna get it mm-hmm. in twenty four episodes. Like after twenty four episodes, 
you're going to be licking your chops for that season two. You might even go buy the manga because you want to see what's going to happen. I might actually so, go try and, try and do that. Yo, me too. Yo, more bullshit. Nope, I was looking for the like next volume because I was like, yo, I need, I, like, they're, they're coming out with a movie, but I can't wait that long. If you I can't like wait, Ujo, I'll tell you right now, there's one more anime. I'm waiting for season four, I believe it is. And honestly, I love this anime just as much as the others, but it's mm-hmm. not as popular, I guess, as you'll say, or gets as much shine. It's Overlord. Overlord. Yeah, I, I just heard oh, Overlord. That's mm-hmm. a fire one. Yo, Ralph, Ralph loves his isekai anime, bro. Yeah. Ralph loves his isekai <laughs> anime. Don't even get me started with Ralph. Yo, oh, man. Definitely yeah, check out Overlord when you get some time. You're going to get hooked. If you like Gojo, mm-hmm. wait till you see the main character there because he's, he's strong, but he don't really know how strong he really is. And he's just beating people. He's like, ah, oh, that worked. And he's like, he's allowing people to attack him and hit him because he wants to see what, what pain feels like. No one's like, <laughs> no one's strong enough. And then he gets hit by something and he starts laughing. He's like, is this pain? Yeah. Like, yo, he is a boss. My, the ladies love him. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's a very good anime. My buddy, um, my buddy... Overlord is his favorite isekai anime, right? And he, um, what has he told me? I, I, what I heard about Overlord is it's like the first isekai series where, like, you know, for those that don't know, isekai basically means when someone from our world basically gets transported into a video game or a fantasy world. But basically, mm-hmm. um, like an MMO. this time, the main character is actually the villain of the video game. Mm-hmm. Right, and you, you, and that, and I find that so interesting. He's he's overpowered, but he's like a super villain. So it's, I'm I'm gonna have to check that out. They just got I, I don't they just announced a season four and a movie, so I know it's popular. Like it might not obviously be as loud as like a My Hero or you know a Jujutsu Kaisen, but when you get four seasons, you know like you you you've gathered a really strong audience. So I'm I'm definitely I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna check I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna check it out. The next Isekai check out will be Overlord. Um, it's way better than Sword Art Online. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. man. That, that definitely yeah. bothered me. Like I liked it, but it bothered me at the same time. I was like, it's a little soft. Like, yeah. Well, it's funny because you know, it's like it's a really popular show, but it's also really divisive. Like, that's a show that people love to hate too. Like, Sword Art Online gets a lot of hate too. Like, I heard like, you know, it started out really good and then it kind of flamed out. And I heard the recent season kind of really picked up. So Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like you gotta you gotta really be invested in in the I feel like if you if you watch four seasons of a series. You got to be really invested in the cast. Because sometimes that means if the plot goes down, you're watching because you fuck with the characters. Yeah, but, I, um, think, I think the show came in really hard. Yeah. And then it's kind of like eased up. And it's like you didn't keep the same energy from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like it just got kind of like, I don't know, I heard it just went in some weird directions. But yeah. man, but, um, you know, but, you know, I kind of want to like, you know, tie the... I guess before we wrap this interview up, let me just ask you guys, is there anything else, you know, that you feel like I haven't addressed yet that, um, you know, that uh, that maybe I haven't discussed yet, you know, brand-wise, anime-wise, sports-wise? Uh, no, not currently, not on my end. I think, you know, this was a great interview and I can't wait to do more in the future. Absolutely. Um, just so you guys know, you know, I'm going to, I'm a hype, I'm a, I always, you know, I, always, I usually release my videos like 48 hours afterwards. I'm going to hype it up on the gram, YouTube, all my social media platforms. Um, and uh, I'll drop it. I'm going to drop it everywhere. Obviously, YouTube, all that stuff. I want my audience to know, where can we find Adriso? Where, where can we connect with you all on social media, this, that, and the third? 
Yep, you can find us, you know, at Adricell underscore records at um on Instagram. And you can also find us, you know, at www.adricell.com. Right. And uh yeah, listen, fellas, um, you know, we're going at an hour and fifty minutes right now. You know, I really appreciate you guys' time. Um, you know, it was an honor, it was a pleasure, it was a blast. I'm sure we're gonna be doing business in the future. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna wish y'all, I'm, I said I'm gonna wish y'all, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm going to wrap this interview up by saying, hey, um, you know, keep grinding. I love you guys. I love you guys. A hustle. It's admiring. It's inspiring. And, you know, I can't wait to share this with my audience and, you know, give you guys this brand more room to breathe and more chance to grow. And, um, you know, all, wishing y'all nothing but the best and I'll be in touch for sure. I'll let you guys know when it drops and all that stuff. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it, y'all, man. All right, fellas. I'm going to wish y'all a good night, all right? All right. Thank you, bro. Enjoy it. Thank you.